You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. Your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB, Locked On Browns, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We want to thank everybody for making Locked On Browns your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On Browns is always free and available on all your platforms, including Spotify, Apple, Odyssey. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing, amazing prices, reliable, I'm sorry, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. We're going to get to it a day late um, with John Costco, and this isn't one we certainly want to miss, obviously, after the uh, Browns performance Sunday against the Chicago Bears. So obviously, at this point to this week, you have your victory Monday with Pete Smith. We did uh, on second watch yesterday with uh, Stephen Thomas of the OBR. Um, and we're going to get a little deeper into it here today, uh, you know, grades wise with John Costco from PFF. We'll also start turning the page uh, in our last segment here. We'll start looking ahead to the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, the potentials there, the danger, they're dangerous. I mean, Minnesota Vikings easily could be two and one, easily could be three and oh. Um, facts are the facts, and football is football. They are currently one and two. Um, John, I mean, the old defensive back in you. And I, I got to be, and now even like listen to some of the players talk about it, Troy Hill explicitly, like looking up at the scoreboard late in the game Sunday going one passing yard, one, one passing yard. Like, is that even freaking possible? Um, so, but I, I, before we get to the pass rush, I think it's only fair. Um, we were wondering when it was going to be acclimated with Jeremiah Usukormoa getting more playing time. Maybe their hand was tipped and they really had no choice Sunday, but that's okay. Um, and maybe with their hand being tipped, they may have realized the young man was more ready than maybe they felt, which is certainly going to cause um, some interesting uh, playing time and snaps within that linebacking unit. As we'll get to this, you know, we, uh, with John last week, he mentioned heavily the dime package that the Browns ran in week two. This week, it varied a little bit more, um, you know, but again, a lot of defensive backs on the field, a lot of speed on the field. But John, Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa and we got into this a little bit, but it's rare when, and it's almost a pain, you know, when you get to the fact that, you know, guys are such ridiculously good athletes. And then you get one that appears to just be extremely football intelligent as well. And that's kind of when you get to the point where you point a finger and say, man, this guy can truly be a difference maker in what he does. Yeah. Um, he's, he's a guy that just, I mean, in this game was just all, over the ball every single time he was out there. Uh, he had just 23 total snaps. He did start the game technically. Um, but, you know, I think for the, you know, for the Browns, like you talk about their personnel in this game, they, they were in base one play. So meaning a four, you know, th- three linebackers, four defensive backs. They had so in game 21, backs. Joe Woods finally got to play what he's wanted to play since he's been here. Exactly. And so we, you had on 70, basically 73% of the snaps, you had nickel package out there and then another 25% of the snaps dime package out there. So uh, this is what the uh, Joe Woods has been trying to strive for having this versatility with, with his secondary and his linebackers. And, you know, Jeremiah Usukormo allows you to do that. 
um, with I mean, his grade in this game was a 93.9 uh, coverage grade and a 92.5, just all around excellent game. Um, just th- had three pass breakups, uh, three defensive stops, uh, only allowed the, uh, one catch for 10 yards. And so you, really, really all around excellent performance. And, you know, this is not a, it's, it's not as if it was like buoyed by just like, a couple of lucky plays or something like that. He was actually making plays, shedding blocks in the run game. He was, yeah, you know, he had the the one sack that, you know, the NFL official stats give him a half a sack, but we're better at PFF. We give him a credit for a full sack because it's not his fault that Miles Garrett also this the party. <laughs> right. You know, it's like, it's not, it's not Miles Garrett's fault that, you know, JOK was a stud on the play as well, that he got this, you know, just getting half a sack. So we actually charted Miles Garrett for five sacks in this game. So, um, you know, it, it was, an. this is, he, everybody that loved JOK coming out of college, this is exactly what they envisioned him to be. A guy that was just flying around at the ball, just had a nose and knack for it and everything like that. And he was, he was fantastic. And, um, you know, I, I don't expect to have 93.9s every single week, but, you know, even, even if you have, have, have an 80 type grade every single week, that's fantastic stuff. So he, you know, it, right now is leads all NFL linebackers in, in grade and granted he's, you know, not done it in a full-time role or anything like that. So, uh, you know, it's just a, just a fantastic performance from him. It was it was truly impressive, and, and the one that gets me is you know it was the short yardage, and you know understanding Jason Peters was in front of him, and you know look we're talking anywhere between seventy to ninety pounds that he was giving up to Jason Peters, and understanding first and foremost his job was to contain and whatever that running back had to go to the inside, so creating the separation where Jason Peters didn't annihilate him, um so the fact that if you know the running back went outside he was going to be able to get him to cut up, but kept enough space between himself and Jason Peters where he was able to obviously jump in make the play and set the tone and start to turn it around, you know, defensively um, the pass rush. And it, I had talked about this going into this game and look, this isn't a knock on Justin Fields and maybe he wasn't ready and that's fine, but this is what you do. You know, when you're going in this situation and you want, you know, you are going to be the trademark of you are the better team. You were at home. It is a loud crowd. Um, you know, you're on paper. You're decisively better where it was a seven, seven and a half point favorite. And it's a rookie quarterback coming to town, regardless of how familiar with the state of Ohio Justin Fields is. You make his day a living hell. And they, it, took a, it took a series. And, you know, play calling. And look, you can blame the Chicago Bears as much as you want for all of this. You're not being, you know, utilizing Justin Fields the correct way, having an offensive line that was not ready. But the point is, is if the opportunity is there basically to go lump somebody up, you go do it. And. I think it was just amazing. I mean, and there's the still photos where, you know, it's Miles and Clowney in the backfield and Fields looking at two of his offensive linemen physically laying on the ground, wondering <laughs> what kind of assistance he's actually getting from these guys. But, I mean, John, that's – there's no doubt for me in four years of covering this is the most impressive defensive effort I have seen from this team. But it just – I mean, the game could have gone on another nine quarters, and it was never going to get better for the Bears. They had no no way to handle the athleticism – of this front and look this is not going to be the norm we all know it but it shows the potential of the havoc that could be wreaked by this defensive line when the opportunity is there and you're facing an inferior opponent and this is one of the reasons why you say Jadavian Clowney Miles Garrett if we can make that happen it's going to lead to some fun fun game days 
Yeah, I don't think that uh, Miles Garrett is going to be able to turn in eight pressures and five of them being sacked. So, um, you know, it's it's not even his highest pressure game of his career in it terms of just no- in one year. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. La- I mean, last year, week two against the, the Bengals, he had nine nine total pressures. Um, in in 2019, he had ten against the, the Seahawks. In 2018, he had um you know nine a couple times in that season as well so it's but the thing is like when this is you know I, we talked about this this summer about what a guy like Jadavian Clowney can do for you and then another you know good interior interior pass rush can do for you is that you're going to be able to turn those pressures into sacks more often because of the the pressure that other guys and winning the other guys winning will do for you in the previous years, miles, it's been a miles Garrett show and that's it. And it's like miles Garrett is getting pressure and, and hopefully somebody else is there to clean up the sack because all you had to do is worry about miles Garrett. Now it's, you've got to worry about all these guys and that's allows miles Garrett to, to, to make these sacks. And this is, you know, why we don't even, you know, at PFF, why I mean, think about it. Sacks are not, they're only a small part of the equation. Um, you know, what you can do the rest of the game matters. And that's why we, we chart how we, why we do what we do at PFF. So um, yeah, you're not expecting, you're not expecting him to turn in, you know, uh, 50 plus percent of his pressures into sacks and, you know, moving forward, but it does at least show, Hey, this is what this defense is capable of just harassing the quarterback on a daily, you know, basically a snap by snap basis. So, um, and, and, and you think about it, this is, that's how, that's how teams win Super Bowls is, is just making life for the opposing quarterback hell. And Browns did that on, on Sunday. And you hope that they continue to do that throughout the rest of the season. It's not as if this bears team was, was bad. And I think this is part of this kind of place, the part of, I, I said all along that Justin Fields needs to sit his rookie year. He's this this Andy Dalton as you know, he's an average below average NFL quarterback, but he at least can read defenses. He can set the protections, right? He knows where these blitz packages and stuff like that are likely going to be coming from. Justin Fields has no idea at this point in his career. And so that's, you know, if you don't put a package around him, that's going to uh, make, you know, make it easier for him to get rid of the ball or just, you know, you're going to, he's going to, get you know he's gonna pay for it and i think that's you know what you saw on on sunday uh matt Nagy, hey hey chicago bears um maybe the right decision was not to trust this guy with yet another young quarterback and this is maybe the situation where you're in where you're asking somebody to do too much and if you look at the and if you dot the lines a little bit between mitch trubisky and justin fields and i'm not writing justin fields his story yet um both of them came in and it was not a ton of college experience and maybe that's sometimes why some of these guys maybe need to sit a little bit longer than they do. John, just going to jump in here. One guy that didn't get mentioned enough because it was such a ridiculously good defensive effort. And this is one of the reasons, A, Joe Woods loves his safety so much, and he should now with the way this group is starting to look. But there's not a lot of differences, essentially, between what Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa can do and Ronnie Harrison can do. Obviously, Ronnie Harrison, a little bit more you know, experience, you know, backpedaling, going deeper into coverages. But you got two guys, similar builds, um, you know, JLK, probably a little bit better athlete. But this is where we got into it with, you know, nickel, dime. It's getting the linebackers off the field, getting the guys who are a little bit more athletic on it, long, rangy, built, built very similar, but just overall better athletes. And Ronnie Harrison, it may have been the fifth, sixth best graded player on the Browns defense on Sunday, but it was still a hell of a day from him. 
Yeah, so 79.8 was, like you said, the sixth highest graded guy. He had 45 snaps in this game, and he actually didn't technically start the game. It was Grant Delpit that started it in, in his place. But um, he, he himself had a sack in this game, um, you know, and another an additional sa- uh, tackle along with that, had a pass breakup. He was, you know, all basically kind of kind of playing like in that that same similar type of aspect of he was all over the place. He was he was around the ball. He was shutting down his receivers when he was, you know, wasn't even being targeted. So, I mean, and it's, you kind of give kudos to the entire secondary for, for that um, because, you know, when you, when you give up one net passing yard, it's, it's pretty impressive. So um, yeah, Ronnie Harrison had, had himself a nice, a really nice game um, and kind of, kind of what we, you know, were accustomed to seeing from last year from him where, you know, he was the lone bright spot in that secondary uh, you know, best, definitely that safety group. And he, he's, it looks like he's picked up right where he left off from that, you know, from that good season, you know, first season with the Browns. And it, it, the biggest takeaway for me just watching Sunday was, I mean, and we've watched for years now and it's like, wow, I, I can't even find a Browns defender in this shot. You're showing me as opposed to now where it, it, I mean, the speed of this defense is ridiculous. The closing speed, the anticipation and, you know, Yes, they're going to play better teams. Yes, teams are now going to be ready for it now that they have seen what this version of Joe Woods' defense is. And one of John's favorite uh, lines is, of course, uh, the the adjustment to the adjustments, which you know Joe Woods and the defense are going to have to be ready for. But all in all, a fantastic effort. We're going to kick it over. We're going to go the offensive side of the ball here where uh, it was just, you know, it, it, it's fun when you can say maybe it's not next day and, you know, Kareem kind of picks up the slack and we'll get to the return of Odell Beckham Jr., John Costco joining Locked On Browns for your Under the Lens episode. Everybody knows now they have been with us for a while. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That is double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Hey, Browns fans, this is host Jeff Lloyd with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about, Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who dr- drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there is no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out at any time to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. That is promo code touchdown to receive 50 cents per gallon back on your first purchase. Offensively, John, I think, you know, the completion percentage of the first two weeks 
honestly, unsustainable pace. We all kind of knew that. Um, now with Odell back in the fold, you certainly wanted to challenge a little bit more vertically, which the Browns tried to do. Um, but we'll start with number 13, Odell Beckham Jr. And the first thing for me, John, was, you know, I don't know necessarily if he needed to be held out the first two weeks. The Browns have been smart and been cautious with players and their injuries. Um, but number 13, back to the fold, got him involved early, got him involved in all aspects, got him a reverse, you know, five receptions for over 70 yards. And, you know, the loss of Jarvis Landry is something they're going to have to deal with for a couple of more weeks. Um, but 13 brings something to the table. And if you want to be able to continue to challenge vertically, having number 13 on the field certainly allows you to dictate to the defense as opposed to the defense dictating to you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I thought he looked, I mean, him coming back, whether it had been week one or week three or, you know, whatever. I think if you're, if you're looking at a lesser profile of, of a player, you you might say hey yeah you can come back week one or whatever but I think with with OBJ you know if he comes back week one you're probably seeing twenty snaps out of the guy when when you really realistically probably want you know a, a, a fifty snap game which is what he did in this game um, so I think I think you know I think that's kind of, that probably plays a part in it is like based on who he is and why they didn't, you know, bring him back in. Like if it's a running back, like think about Saquon Barkley, they, they don't, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, he's a high profile guy and, you know, he was kind of more eased back into his role rather than given a full load. Um, and it's, it's tough to just, you know, for a wide receiver of, you know, Odo Beckham Jr.'s caliber to say, all right, we're, we're an easy back in here. You're, you're going to, you know, we're going to put you on a, on a on a play clock here but i think with for what he was able to provide for this game especially when you when you lose a a jarvis landry is that he commands he still commit you know first game back he's commanding their number one corner in jaylon johnson and and he did a really solid job of of getting open uh you know at 77 yards in this game on on nine targets um and i'd say that he looked pretty good there were some routes still that i think that his his legs aren't quite there uh there there's a one there's a comeback at the uh in, in you know driving into territory the bears territory with that that Jalen johnson actually got his hands on and, and obj had to push him out of bounds he if you look at it from all 22 i mean obj didn't look like he ran a very good route he ran he, he kind of stuttered at the top and it didn't look like he he couldn't he could come out of his break real cleanly and so that's why the ball didn't look good and you know potentially was an interception so uh it was kind of like a split you know, kind of an issue there for, for you know, Baker was maybe not quite a, a perfect, a good throw, but you know, it, it would have been, maybe been a contested catch had OBJ been able to come out his break. And I think, you know, as he gets his legs back under him, it's just only going to get better. And I think, you know, even you saw it down later in the game when on the comebacks that he had or the, the back shoulder throw um, he started to actually get his legs under him. Um, and I think, you know, I know, I know what he said is like, oh, I was, I was, I was really tired. My legs were kind of falling, you know, I was losing my legs, but I think, I think actually as the game went on, he was, you know, a little bit better. And I think what he d brings to that team is just, if they can be on the same page and look like, you know, I, I think there's pretty much almost every route that they threw, he would, they were on the same page, except for the one, the one comeback there. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's really big for the Browns and, and Baker Mayfield, especially. Uh, it's, it's so crazy to think that, you know, and 
I think this is something that's probably happened to Kareem Hunt since he's been here in Cleveland. Um, I get, I think people misconstrue obviously the incident, which led to him no longer being a chief. Um, and the fact that he kind of, you know, I guess you would say he plays behind Nick Chubb, but it's hard to forget. And it's hard to, you know, not see just how talented Kareem Hunt is. Um, and I know right now the Browns running backs are running one and two um, in the NFL as far as PFF grades. And that lovely comment last evening from a certain Dallas reporter about Dallas having the top two running backs in the NFL. That's a great thought to have. And, you know, hey, I guess everybody wishes they could play the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, but Nick Chubb, it, it, it wasn't a <laughs> terrible game for Nick Chubb by any means. I think maybe it's, you know, it was a little bit lower than our Nick Chubb standards, which, you know, I, you know, again, it's nice to have your hopes up high and you expect, you know, absolute greatness week in, week out. But it was a gutted out effort by Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt ran with enthusiasm, uh, looking for contact. I, I love the fact when he knows it's, you know, somewhere within two to three yards of the sticks. And all right, I'm just going to launch myself into this fray here and let's see what happens. Uh, maybe I'll pick it up. Maybe we'll be an inch short or whatever. But, you know, it's not going to be because I didn't try to pick this up. Yeah. So, yeah, Nick, it wasn't Nick Chubb's game for for whatever reason. He just. You know, he had some nice runs in there, but basically it was a it was a Kareem Hunt show. And, you know, I, that's the benefit of having the t- two guys, you know, and, you know, they they obviously these guys are the two best, you know, definitely the best tandem in the NFL. You could argue uh, both guys are probably top five running backs in the NFL. Um, and, you know, if Kareem Hunt's on any other team, he's getting a full workload, um, you know, and, and if if Kareem Hunt's not on this team, you Nick, Nick, Nick Chubb's going to get a full workload. But what a lot, this allows the Browns to do is that if there's a hot hand to ride that hot hand and to continue to ride that hot hand, because sometimes, you know, we, we saw it last year where sometimes it was a Nick Chubb game and he was just running roughshod through opponents. And sometimes it's a Kareem Hunt game where it's for whatever reason, it's his style of running that confuses and, and, you know, this wears down on the, on the opposing defense. And I think what, what, you know, Nick Chubb is the, you know, he's got the, the power and the agility, but then like Kareem Hunt has the two, but a different way where he's, you know, he can, he can have this balance that he has this contact balance that he has. That's just incredibly impressive. And both guys do a really good job securing the ball. There's so many times where like, it feels like, man, these guys are just ripping at this ball and they, they're able to hang on to it. I know that Chubb had the one fumble. He's only fumbled it. You know, he, he's a guy that's hyper reliable and Kareem Hunt, I think has just the one fumble in his career. And that was the first carry of his career. Um, and even in college had, I think just one fumble as well. Um, so, you know, I think it's, you, you have this one, two punch of, and all right, for whatever reason, it's not Chubb's game and you give it to Hunt and he just owns. So it's, you know, it's special what the Browns have there. It's it's fun to watch. It really is. Um, now we get to, you know, the other parts of the offense here. You know, highlight some players here. I think for the first time this season, we got to see a little bit of what, you know, everybody was talking about with Donovan Peoples-Jones over the summer. Um, looked like things slowed down for a little bit for him. And again, maybe the Browns used him a little better. Maybe he's not the best guy over the middle. Um, he does have, you know, obviously a little bit of a thicker frame. The tallest wide receiver on the Browns roster. Um, getting him outside and maybe some of this also has to do with Odell Beckham Jr. being there where, you know, you're going to have to pick your poison on the outside because, you know, you understand that there's so many tight ends that can absolutely kill you 
Uh, so you kind of got to pick your poison on the outside. And at this point in their careers, you know, what's going to be more of a concern? Is it going to be Odell Beckham Jr.? Or is it going to be Donovan Peoples-Jones? Obviously, it's going to be Odell Beckham Jr. But I thought what they did with Donovan Peoples-Jones was a little bit more suited to his skill set. And it showed, you know, granted, only two receptions for 39 yards. But these are the way things are kind of going to work um, when you have such a lengthy you know, rotation of skill players. It's basically more of, you know, capitalize on the opportunities you do get because we have a lot of guys we want to use. Um, but I thought it was better for him and maybe highlight a couple other players on offense for us, John. Yeah, it definitely was better for him. Uh, you know, grade of receiving grade in this game of a 70.2. It's kind of more what we were accustomed to uh, from him last year where he made the, you know, the targets that he was getting were efficient targets. Um, and I think OBJ coming back, just you think about it too, it's like, Last year, it took them basically six weeks to kind of get a feel for this offense to really kind of figure out what everybody's good at. And you, these guys develop and you're thinking, all right, do you do you, you know, you, what, how do you put this guy into a certain role? Do we do we just, you know, and how much do you increase of his role? There's a reason why the guy was a six round pick. He is, has the talent and stuff like that, but he still has a lot of developing to do. And I think the way to utilize him in, in this game where you you don't have to force him the ball and you you know, you let the offense come to him and then then you can dial up a a play or two for Donovan Peoples Jones to, to, to make some catches. But I think Baker does it, you know, is he's, you know, he's still, you're never stopped developing. And then he continues to develop. He, you know, finds, finds the open receiver and and throws it to the open receiver. And, you know, if if Peoples Jones gets open and he's a, he's a outside vertical type guy rather than over the middle, like you're saying, even though he is a big bodied guy, um, he can be, you know, he can be efficient with the, those targets on, you know, other, other guys that I thought, you know, played well. I mean, we haven't really talked about Baker Mayfield so far and I'd say Baker had a, he wasn't, he wasn't this, this, you know, I, like you said, his, his completion rate was not sustainable. You're not going to complete 80% of your, your passes in a season at all at, at this level. You could maybe do that in college, but you're not going to do that in, in the NFL. And I think, you know, early on, he he struggled with his accuracy for for whatever reason. Maybe it was oh, OBJ is back, and it you know has some of those nerves. But I think after that time, he he did kind of settle down, and it kind of reminded me a little bit of the uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars game last year, where like Baker had a had some big time throws in that game. He had some big time throws in this game, but there were some like really easy throws that he just missed. And you're just like, man, what what's going on with this? You know, he just not not firing on all cylinders and you wonder if maybe the shoulder has a little bit of of the problem there or whatever but the thing is is that when when he really needed to make the throws he did he was able to make the throws so i think he's on the verge of having a big game uh coming up because you know you think about it from last year where the next week after you know that jaguars game he they they boat raced the tennessee titans and that went off to like you know what was it I don't know, 38 to seven lead or something like that or whatever it was. So I think, I think, you know, Baker is pretty close to having one of those, those monster games. Um, and so I think, you know, I think he had a, the game for him was better than probably maybe people will remember. Uh, but I think it's, it's, there's still a lot of room for improvement. I also think with, um, you know, with Baker, I think it's within him. And, and this is probably the most impressive part for him is, is the understanding of, I ain't got to do it every week. You know, I'm not like other quarterbacks in this league where if I don't carry this, it's not going to get done. 
And, you know, I, I, it's great for him to do that. And now the understanding and realizing, if, especially now with a better defense. Um, I do want to ask this, though. Best throw of the day, touchdown to Austin Hooper, hit between the two windows. It was, I mean, that was a very good throw. So there's that one. You had the back shoulder to OBJ down the sideline. I think there's two of those. So there were, there were three big-time throws in this game. I think the, I think the touchdown probably was probably the most impressive so we, we you know we well, in terms of grading aspect they both get plus ones but like you know so we, there isn't a differentiator there for it but i think that probably you know from a situational standpoint of hey you're driving you need the score here for a touchdown it's probably probably the best okay but it was I, I, you know again and i think also you know it was more of a you know it's great to get this 85 percent completion percentage but you look at, you know, what was done against the Houston Texans. I mean, so much of it was done within a box and essentially they were long handoffs. Well, so it's, you know. Uh, yeah, that was, yeah, that was a game where he was, he was more pre- precise early on. And then the shoulder injury caused him to like start being a check down screen guy. And he, I literally, I just do not think he was confident in his shoulder to be able to throw it down the field accurately because he was just in pain. So he was checking it down and. And also don't down. want to take it also in the last thing you want to do is take another hit in that situation. And, you know, cause it was obviously right. a close game. Right. And so they play and they also play cover two. They're just a cover two defense. So they're just going to take away the deep stuff anyways. And you have to be precise when you're trying to throw it down a field against cover two. And if he's not confident in that he's, it's not going to happen. So think yeah, about Baker wow. too. He's got the fifth highest big time throw rate in the NFL. I don't probably t- people don't even realize that, but he has, he has seven big time throws, which, which isn't an, like a big number. At this point, you know, that's, you know, two and a half a game. Uh, but he's got 8.4% 8, 8.4% of his his throws are big-time throw, uh, big throws. And that's fifth high – actually, fourth highest. Somebody's – I got the filter on for allowing Jordan Love to be in there who only has five thro- you know, completions or whatever. But, yeah, so he's fourth <laughs> highest in the NFL, and it's mainly because the, the Browns just don't throw the ball all that often, um, as we know. Uh, absolutely and i mean if it ain't fixed i mean if it ain't broken ain't no certain reason to uh break out the tool bag and fix it we're gonna give you a couple thoughts here on the minnesota vikings from john uh as the browns will be traveling out to minnesota uh to face the vikings first time since 2017 a europe affair back then but the browns will be headed to minnesota this weekend what is your favorite Built Bar flavor? Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited-time flavor, which currently right now is cookie dough chunk? When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they are definitely passionate about their favorites. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. Coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. So there is something for everyone. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you should get a mix box where you will get two of each of the nine flavors, 18 bars in total. Not only are the Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they are healthy too. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. John, Minnesota Vikings on the slate. Winners last week. Could have won at Arizona. Um, could be a unique situation where maybe Greg Newsom might not be available this week. Greedy Williams, small sample size on Sunday, looked pretty good. Again, not enough to go by. 
But Minnesota Vikings bring a unique situation. And plus this week, Minnesota could be installing Dalvin Cook back into the offense who was unavailable last week. Yeah. Um, obviously, we know the Stefanski-Minnesota connection. That's going to be a big story this week. But I think he kind of summed it up in his press conference pretty well about it. It's like, listen, they, I, this is a new, this is a different team than when I was there and they're a good team. They have good players, they have good coaches. It's, you know, it doesn't give them any real insight into what they're doing now because it's been two years removed since he's been there. Um, and so I think, you know, you look at what they do on offensively, Kirk Cousins, I think is an efficient passer. He actually grading as the third best quarterback you know, pass, passing uh, grade this year. He's third in overall grade this year. So he's playing at an extremely high level. He's not a, he's not going to be wowing you with big-time throws, but he's going to operate the offense. He doesn't have an interception this year. Um, you know, the averaging 7.7 yards per attempt, is his overall grade is an 89.1. So he's taking care of the ball, and he's, you know, operating this offense efficiently. When you have weapons like Justin Johnson, uh, Justin Jefferson, Jefferson, excuse me, and uh, Adam Thielen. Uh, that's you know that's a one-two tandem. That's one of the best in the NFL. And then you you add in Dalvin Cook, who's an excellent. <clears throat> Bless you. <laughs> and, and you. And you have a a running back who's one of the top running backs in the NFL, and Dalvin Cook. It, it it creates an offensive dynamic that it's really difficult to stop this team and. I don't care what people's opinions opinion of Kirk Cousins is, but he's a good quarterback in this in the NFL. Um, you would I don't think anybody probably considers him like like an elite type quarterback. But the thing is that if you don't get pressure on on Cousins and you don't you don't confuse him, he's going to pick you apart because he can you know he's one of the smartest quarterbacks in the NFL of being able to read a defense and just deliver it accurately. And he's got weapons to throw that to. So. Um, the, the issue with the Minnesota Vikings is their offensive line is, is not very good. Um, they're, they're, you know, they got destroyed against the Bengals. Uh, they lost that game in overtime. They lost on a last second field goal to Arizona. Like, like we talked about. So they're very close to being a three and O team uh, because they, they do have a, just an efficient offense. Their defense is not as good. Like, you know, Mike Zimmer's known for their defenses and they're not a very good defense anymore. Uh, I would say that they're, they're okay. Uh, they actually did a really good job in the second half against the Seahawks, but I'd say it's more of a Seahawks issue than it was for the Vikings to to shut them down. Um, they're a predominantly cover two team now. They they it's not what Meg Zimmer teams are known for. They have Patrick Peterson, which has kind of helped them out on on the coverage aspect of things. But the guy to attack on the defense is Brashad Brashad B- Breland, who has been one of the worst cornerbacks in the NFL. I think his grade is like in the 20s or 30s or something like that in coverage, which is just he got absolutely roasted in the game against the uh, the Bengals. Um, and he, he's been a little bit better since then, but I, that this defense is exploitable if they can do it. Yeah, uh, certainly looking forward to this matchup as the Browns continue their tour around uh, the AFC North. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry, NFC North. Uh, for the first time since 2017. Um, You brought up, and this is the first thing, I mean, when you brought up offensive line play, and now here we go again, possibly for the second week in a row, and you wonder how it's going to translate, because now obviously they're a lot more confident in what their abilities are and how they can play together. And like this stuff gets contagious. And, you know, look, we got into the backfield so much last week, and no, four and a half sacks from Miles Garrett, nine sacks from the defensive line overall. Um, and then you think about Kirk Cousins and, you know, maybe, you know, 
a little bit more veteran wise where he might, you know, throw the ball to his mom, as opposed to taking all these sacks like Justin Fields did, who probably should have maybe thought more about just getting the hell out of Dodge. But, you know, when the live bolts are coming at you for the first time in the NFL, it's a little bit different. But you got to think, and as you said, I mean, you've got to wonder, you know, can this defensive line dictate this again? And this is what makes it, you know, all the more better, all the more easier to do everything else. Yeah, this is – we talk about Kirk Cousins being the veteran quarterback. He's going to get rid of the ball efficiently and to find the open receiver. He, he has the third quickest time to throw in the NFL, whereas Justin Fields is, you know, one of the w- slowest. So Reading books in between. <laughs> exactly, and it's, and it's 0.6 seconds. It's more than half a second difference of how long Kirk Cousins holds onto the ball versus Justin Fields held on the ball. That's an eternity in the NFL. So when you're talking about – you know, Miles Garrett getting to the quarterback and making all these sacks, he could be winning his blocks just like he is was against the Bears. But Kurt Cousins is going to be getting rid of that ball at long before he ever gets sacked uh, because he just gets rid of it uh, because he has an understanding of what he needs to do with that. You think about Tom Brady. He is a guy that just doesn't get sacked. He has the quickest time to throw in the NFL. So, it, again, it's just because this offensive line is bad, I, you know, you think it might not even look – impressive for the this defensive line like compared to this past week just because of the fact that cousins is going to get rid of the ball and so the fact is like he might you know miles garrett might win 10 of his reps on on as a pass rusher and he actually might get home once so uh because cousins is getting rid of it that that matters and i think when you look at quarterbacks they control their sack rate more than anything does it doesn't they they the correlation between you know, look at Car- 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 Carson Wentz. He holds onto the ball forever, gets sacked a bunch in, in Philadelphia, goes to a, a Indianapolis coach, which is a, has a fantastic offense line, and he's still getting hit all the time and getting sacked. <laughs> That's because it's a quarterback carries his sack rate with him, and it's and it's shown we have the data on that and everything like that. So it it, it really kind of depends on who that quarterback is. Just think about it, Tan Marino, one of the best quarterbacks of all time. He almost never got sacked. Peyton Manning, same thing. Tom Brady, same thing. They get rid of the ball, and they don't get sacked. Well, I mean, it's it's great to try to extend a play. It's great to, you know, try to, you know, do everything you can. But, you know, I mean, when you start getting your team into positions of third and 16, uh, third and 19, third and 22, and then you got to drag your punter out there after you started, you know, your possession on the 23 and your punter is now standing inside his 10, um, it's doing a disservice to your offense, doing a, a big, big disservice to your defense. We've gotten to. Player grades on the Under the Lens episode of Lockdown Browns defensively. Uh, great, great showing for, you know, a, a lot of reps for Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa. Um, starting to see maybe that this defense is starting to understand and gel each other and play a little bit, you know, as a unit as opposed to individuals. Offensively, Kareem Hunt, great job. The return of Odell and starting to peek ahead to the Minnesota Vikings. As I said, your Victory Monday episode is up. The On Second Watch is up with Stephen Thomas. Uh, we have this. We'll get to crossover Thursday with Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings. I'm actually looking forward to that one. Um, I've actually never sat down with Luke again the last time Browns played long, long time ago with the Vikings. So obviously some changes over here at the Locked On Network since then. Um, he is John Costco from PFF, uh, lead analyst and a apparently a double Uber driver in the morning for his kids to school. Gotta love the school systems these days, people. Have patience. Everybody's just trying to do the best they can. Uh, make sure you're following at John Costco 3. The show itself at Lockdown Browns. Uh, follow back account. DMs are open. Me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. DMs are open over there. 
thoughts, ideas for the show, make sure you, uh, you know, DM me anything. Uh, you guys spend a lot of time with me during the week. I try to do the best I can. And of course, thanks again for everybody making Lockdown Browns your first listen every day. And we will ba- be back with you tomorrow. Like I said, crossover Thursday with Luke Prona, Lockdown Vikings. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.